0: Conquer Your Battlefield Podcast, where we come together to discuss some of the more significant struggles and metaphorical battlefields that we've faced along our journeys and share some insight on how we've conquered them. I am JD McGibney, and today I'll be chatting with the poetic, artistic, entrepreneurial, funny, and compassionate Adriana Green, founder of the Vizio Magazine and the Audio Vizio Podcast. How are you doing, Adriana?
1: Oh, I'm doing great. That was a fabulous introduction. Thank well, you. My hat's not going to fit tomorrow. My head is
0: so big. Well, listen, you're a fabulous person, so you needed a, a fabulous introduction. <laughs> uh, today, we are going to be talking about borderline personality disorder, also referred to as BPD for short. According to the book, I Hate You, Don't Leave Me, about 18 million people in the United States alone, roughly about 6% of the entire population, exhibit primary symptoms of BPD. There are nine criteria associated with it, and a person has to exhibit a minimum of five of them in order to be diagnosed. And of all the people in the U.S. that seek psychiatric treatment, between 15% and 25% of them are diagnosed with BPD, making it the most common personality disorder. For the longest time, it was thought that BPD uh, affected mainly women, but, as research continues, is believed that it afflicts uh, men and women about evenly. It's just that men are more likely to be misdiagnosed with things like PTSD, depression, uh, or labeled with anti uh, as antisocial. So Adriana, you are very vocal and public with the fact that you have borderline personality disorder, which in itself is extremely brave. So thank you very much for being here and talking about it today. Yeah. What is it? Um, <clears throat> what is it like for you? Uh, sorry. What was it like for you when you first recognized that this was part of your life and how did recognizing it come to help you begin to conquer it?
1: Well, uh, that's a good question. I first came to real, well, I first came to recognize BPD within myself when I was nine years old. Really? Because yeah, I was very perceptive and a very strange child. And I, I just always felt like I was a bird floating above. I I just, I don't know. Everything felt very objective. I knew I was different. And then when I was around 13 years old, I began to understand the internet more on how to do Google searches. And that's when I was really, really into researching borderline. And at the time there was really no research. Let's say it was like 2007-2006 I want to say around then and really there's only been a lot of research done on it or rather the stigmatization has gone down in the last five years and so um
0: well even just research in general like you know just from what I've read as well is that most of the more significant uh finds have been with like within like you said the last five to ten years because a lot of times uh, it's because there's just so much going on with BPD, it's often mislabeled as different things. So people aren't as perceptive with, you know, the fact that it is its own specific, uh, you know, ailment.
1: Yeah. So just to to finish your first question. So, yeah, I was, I was cognizant of it for a long time, but because I was cognizant of it for a long time. And when you're able to understand the terminology of your mental illness, people think you've done enough studying just to get attention. And so you can know a lot about it, but you can't bring that to a doctor because then the doctor will say, how do you know all that? How? You're just saying that because you want to have those things. And that's especially common for females as well because you're just emotional. Um, and recognizing it actually didn't catalyze a great recovery process It catalyzed a deep deep turbulence and complete shifting of the poles in my life. It was a complete 180 and not a not a positive one. Um, and why there is so much um, why uh, there's only been so much research in co- being people, the public being cognizant of it in the past 10, in the last decade. Why there wasn't any urgency towards understanding it is because people with borderline disorder, personality disorder are very annoying and very aggressive. And it's easier to treat people in group who are crying than who are angry. And so we've actually been marginalized and isolated because people don't go to work. They don't become social support workers to deal with angry people screaming and spitting in the face. They, they do it to help sad, depressed people. And even though borderlines are sad and still depressed, they have amygdala dysregulation it's an actual it's 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 an over functioning of an an, an amygdala a part of the body that we can't go in and control and so we're definitely the stigma is such that I remember being at a doctor's office trying to get help uh, for group therapy and Mm -hmm. I was talking to the doctor and she left and outside of the room I heard oh Jesus Christ she's definitely borderline and they complain about you they so as a borderline if you don't have intelligence on your side you're stuck in hospitals you're stuck in a cycle if you you're stuck in we deserve to have happiness and the people that you know in your life who've been severely affected with borderline you can tell that they're stuck in a vicious cycle and they're beautiful people and you wish that you could pull them out but at the same time people will just make you drown with them if they don't want to be safe and so if you don't have the self-awareness or that ability to be objective about it basically comes down to shadow work but if you don't understand how the world sees you and you have borderline then I find that it's very difficult well, it it's, sounds like it's, it
0: sounds like one of your 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 strongest attributes in in conquering this whole thing is the fact that you're very you're very self-aware but you're also very aware of the world around you amidst all of uh what's going on emotionally which from what i understand and from what i've seen like firsthand for like any kind of you know mental health struggle you know being able to like remove yourself mentally from the emotional you know trauma in any situation is just difficult so the fact that you're able to like basically have those three different like outlooks all you know all at once i think that's that's a very it's a very strong trait. Thank
1: you. Yeah, I've always been known to being able to see three sides of the point. That's been a common trait all throughout my life.
0: Yeah. And I think I think you bring up a really good point when you say like, you know, when you first went to go see like a doctor, you know, that is a very common thing is where like therapists and doctors in general tend to have that abrasive uh, approach to people who have BPD which right there is you know, an issue, because it's something that is so, it's something that can be really chaotic and needs the help of a professional, but if you have people who are, you know, literally there as professionals to help, you know, and and they have that, like, abrasive, you know, approach, it makes it, it makes it so that people who have BPD are, you know, more reluctant to actually go and seek that, because you don't want to feel judged, you don't want to feel criticized, and it's like, if the person who is supposed to be helping you is giving you that yeah it makes it makes it very difficult
1: precisely it it, it is very difficult and because bpt lies on a spectrum and 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 in the uh, categorization of personality disorders falls in cluster b so cluster b you have your histronics you have your narcissistics you have your borderlines and you have your antisocials mm-hmm. those are all personality. oh there's like ocd personality disorder antisocial personality disorder borderline personality disorder And lots of others. So borderline is within cluster B. So you can have like symptoms and subtypes of others. So for example, my special little soup recipe is like, yeah, I have a borderline, whatever, but I have schizoid system, I'm schizotypical, and I'm antisocial. So I'm more uh, anti-authoritarian i can't really i can't hold down a job very easily there's lots of borderlines who are very successful because they have three out of the nine or four out of the nine symptoms when you have nine out of the nine symptoms it becomes which i do it becomes man, it becomes a interesting life
0: it's um, a actually, lot to
1: juggle well actually the only one and you might have to put a trigger warning on this but i actually have eight out of nine my self-harm has never included cutting it involves anger so that's so when people self-harm in a way that's physical like with the cutting whatever um that's a way to get your pain out because there's so much pain you need to relocate your pain to another area i totally understand it it's not something to judge it's a real thing that's happening in the brain However, for me, that has never happened either because I'm too anxious or too narcissistic because I don't really want to do that to myself. I get angry and I let the rage out. I just, and it's not in anybody's face. It's not in, you know, it's to myself in a corner, but it's it's it, but it's But akin to, it's a form of self-harm because there's only so much you can do that, you know, to your body. Um, yeah, and I can only I imagine actually, that yeah. like
0: having that amount of, that intense- amount of uh emotion that intense amount of anger or that that intense amount of like darkness needing a release you know i feel like it's a very human thing to have you know take an emotion that we can't necessarily process in the moment and turn it into a physical thing whether it's you know like if it's anger you're getting into a fist fight with somebody or like you said you know like people some people with bpd have to cut themselves because they have to give it a physical form or let's say you know it's an artist who's, who has depression and they make a sculpture they need to give it a physical form in order to understand and, and make sense of what it is that they're feeling.
1: Yeah, precisely and sometimes it's more insidious and it's harmful and it, it can be as as joyous as a painting or a photograph or a poem but unfortunately for for many with see the thing is people with borderline what it's hard with BBD. They're not robots, they are humans. So when someone says, oh, I experienced that too, I might be BPD. It's like, no, that's mm. the worst thing you could say. You don't know the nuances, the intricacies, the real difficulties that we actually face. If we were to be observed like big brother, you would be like, oh yeah, they don't know what they're doing. It's, it's. And, it,
0: and then you can you can have like an emotional switch, like literally like that too, which. Every 15 I, minutes. You know, which I, I,
1: di- which makes it different than bipolar because with bipolar, your moods, you can have like a phase for like a week or two or whatever. With borderline, it's about every 15, 20 minutes you feel a physical shift coming on. You have to control it. Even throughout, throughout this interview, I'll have about four of them where I'll be like, whoa, okay, I'm just so canned by. Yeah. I, I,
0: just having a like, like a normally regulated emotional shift can be tiring just the way you're describing it like that I can only imagine like the physical energy it it sounds like it like you you must (laughs) (laughs) I I imagine that if you were to actually run like an actual marathon you would just like blow everyone out of the water because you're like yeah no I just I've been practicing for years
1: running away from my demons (laughs) Yeah. yeah pretty much pretty much but you know you know Hercules you know how Zeus put all the titans down there he's like yo chill or not the titans, but you know what I mean, the monsters?
0: Oh, yeah, the titans.
1: You put them in cages? Yeah, yeah, I put them underneath. He's like, hang out down there. I'm like, that's what it feels like. Every day you wake up with Borderline, you're like, yo, down there. In the
0: cellar. <laughs> you're like, no, you gotta, no, no, not today. Live?
1: Not today, demons. <laughs> Get out of town. Actually, and I'm going to let you continue. Uh, but do you mind if I just read something about anger and the amygdala? Oh, just yeah, so look, please, kind of, like, please. Wraps up.
0: Shared, yes. Okay.
1: I'll try to skim. In people who have BPD, the amygdala is very active, almost too active, so the emotional responses that arise tend to be big. If you have a big emotional response, the behaviors that arrive from that response also tend to be big. For example, imagine that your significant other promised to be home by seven, and because of work or traffic, got there 15 minutes late. You start to get angry as each minute passes, and then by the time he gets home, the anger has boiled over and you blast him. If you were to stand back and think about it, you would likely say that your reaction to his being 15 minutes late was an overreaction. However, given your powerful emotional response, your behavior seems justified in that moment. In BBTD, you can blame this response on your overactive, under-controlled amygdala. The amygdala also plays an important role in the making of memories. In particular, memories tied to strong emotions. And this is the critical function that under normal circumstances would work like this. Imagine that you go up to an unfamiliar dog that's wandering in the park and the dog growls at you and then bites you. You experience fear. And the memory is registered and locked in, making it less likely that you will go up to strange dogs in the future. From an evolutionary perspective, the amygdala would have helped keep us away from all sorts of dangers like saber toothed tigers. In BPD, this response is magnified. And then rather than their serving simply as a warning, the memories paired with strong emotions play over and over, causing suffering, suffering, even after the danger has passed that's you can edit that to like make it shorter if you want no it's okay i'm gonna <laughs> but, i'm
0: gonna leave that in there
1: yeah, yeah. It's, it
0: gives it gives a lot of insight and it's interesting to see like how certain things uh have you know developed biologically you know through evolution just to keep us alive but the fact that we've become so complex uh like emotionally and like intellectually like you have these you know these bodily you know, these body parts, these, these organs, these bodily functions that were designed to keep us alive. And like you said, uh, stop us from being eaten by a saber tooth tiger. And like, yeah. it, there's just so much more for it to take in now. And sometimes you have, you know, stuff like this, where like, you have something that's like oh, hyperactive. And
1: that's exactly it.
0: And it's interesting that like, at least from what I've read in my own research, uh, BPD can either be caused through Uh, something that's biological Uh, it could be something that's like learned from like childhood and then going into adolescence or there could be a combination of of both basically nature nature and or nurture so the fact that there are so many different uh factors in what causes BPD like that 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 alone I think is is fascinating to understand
1: of course uh, BPD um, is actually, I think, about 60% genes, 40% nurture, because even the debate of nurture versus nature is hot and heavy, and biologists are like, mm-hmm. no, nah, we're good. We don't know. <laughs> like, we can't, it, it, and so for me to say it's one of the, it, it's difficult, definitely, to, to differentiate the two, but but as for genetics, uh, genes account for sixty-nine percent of the symptoms of BPD, and environmental factors account for thirty-one percent of receiving symptoms. Um, and already, if you're predisposed to it, of course, then it's
0: a bigger. Well, yeah. I guess that makes sense because that would explain why you could, you know, you theoretically have, you know, a group of siblings who grew up in the same house, the same parents, and had literally the same upbringing have, you know, completely different personalities.
1: It's it's true, and actually I can touch more on that. Actually, please, please. A little, like science experiments. Um, not to talk too much about, about my family, but my my father, he he I was married before he married my mother and had um children. Mm-hmm. So I have older half-brothers and sisters. And they didn't live with my father, they lived with the mother. Um okay. and eventually I was born. Awesome. Uh, I live yeah, thank you. Hello, <laughs> I, I was the last, last one. My father's like, dear God. <laughs> So, but I, um, got to live with them all my life. Um, and just looking at the differences in the siblings, they received borderline. I don't know where, but like, uh, my, my half-brother was misdiagnosed in the nineties with, uh, is like, um, multiple personality disorder or disassociative identity disorder. Gotcha. But it turned out to just be, be borderline. Um,
0: and I'm assuming that what caused the misdiagnosis was the drastic shift in emotion so quickly. Am I correct?
1: I also think it was the shift in education because it was the early 90s. Mm. And then his diagnosis got changed when he was a older.
0: Oh, yeah, because I think, wasn't it in, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, wasn't it in the 90s where like Borderline started really getting some like attention where of, people are like, this is a thing.
1: Yeah, because of Marsha, I forget. I want to say her name is Marsha Linham. I could, I definitely could be wrong, so please fact check me, but she's mm-hmm. the one who created the now heavily used and implemented DBT therapy program, specifically made for people with, with borderline because people, you know, people with depression and anxiety, you don't have to have borderline to have depression and anxiety, but if you have depression and anxiety, you probably have borderline. Like if you, it's, yeah. I don't know how to say it, but, and so a lot of the times, and in my own experience, you're put into group therapy with people who don't fully understand your drastic and extreme experiences with mental health. So I was put into a group with like, no one had borderline depression or anxiety. And I had a hard time retaining the material because there is material that is broad enough to, you know, CBT breathing exercises, ride the wave, fighting your battles. That's, all inclusive, but when it comes to borderline, there are specific. It's a specific regimen that needs to be followed. Mm-hmm. And so, in the night, my point being is that yes, because of that, um, because of the brain that Marcia had, she shone uh, quite a light on BBT that allowed the destigmatization of it up until now. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, I'm glad that we are now at a point where you know this is definitely coming to. Uh, more light you know there sorry there's more light being shown on you know the topic of borderline personality disorder and, and the fact that it's being recognized as its own, its own separate thing and it's not just being lumped together as like you know this type of depression or like this type of anxiety it's it's starting to really get the proper you know therapy that uh, that is needed
1: precisely yeah so uh, and it, yeah
0: uh, i was I was about to ask you know how how is it that you started to uh, work through having it because you you had said uh, at, the, at the beginning of the interview that you said yes. once you realized like you had it and that it was part of your life um, that you said it, it kind of it didn't go uh, towards getting better right away you said it's it got worse for you so how is it that you were able to turn that around into you know being the positive smiling you know optimistic person sitting in front of me
1: that's a very good question. And I think it happened because I willed it to happen. You have to want it bad enough. Mm. Because That's the thing. Borderline and the depression and the apathy that comes with it can begin to grow on like vines until it suffocates you. It's, it's a deadly illness. And the suicide rate is high. And I've lost friends to it. So it's, it's a matter of, it depends on your situation as well. There's a lot of people who I know with borderline that have the financial resources and the family support that keeps them floating, even though they're suffering, they're still, Mm -hmm. they have a life support and reach. Mm -hmm. I unfortunately got a diagnosis surrounding the time when so many events in my life were surrounding me that I had nothing to hold on to. And because of that, I did a lot of the coming out of that darkness on my own.
0: How old and were you when you got the diagnosis?
1: Late. I was 23. Hmm. And, 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 and you know, I could have used a lot of help before. But 23 is, is definitely a late age, considering I knew since I was nine and no one listened or believed. That so is definitely got, a
0: long period of having to. Not have anyone listen to you.
1: Yeah, and that's kind. And they're like, "Why do you have borderline?" It's probably because no one listened to me. It's like the anger builds up. It's like I was a smart kid, and no one listened to me. Hmm. No one listens. to me. No one takes you serious. Um, and and if you're perceptive enough to perceive that, <laughs> mm, I, <laughs> but rather, so it takes. I think when I was about five yeah there's I always knew I had something inside of me and I think it was the grandiose egoism that comes from having a severe mental illness but I knew that even if I didn't have a mental illness there is still something inside of me that's supposed to be out to say I'm special perhaps but no it's 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 the egoism that I feel all artists and writers need to have it's a healthy dose of I can do this I need to so the biggest thing throughout my whole life has been, I'm excited to see what's on the other side of this. You have to be excited.
0: Do you feel that, uh, like you, you're, a, you're, a, you're, a, you're a poet, you're a writer, you're a, you're a painter, you have, you're a musician. Do you feel that uh, these artistic outlets have helped you with coping and, and getting through some of like the, the more difficult uh, experiences that you've had with BPD?
1: Um, so as a, that is a really emotional question for me, actually, because I, as a podcast interviewer myself, I interview a lot of artists and musicians and I ask them that similar question and Mm -hmm. their answers are good, but I... I just can never really relate to a lot of them. And I don't know how that sounds.
0: It's totally understandable. I I think
1: think that question
0: is a very difficult question to answer because it is so, the answer is so unique to each individual person answering it.
1: Yeah, because it just makes me realize, like, I honestly, like, if I didn't have writing in my life, I wouldn't be... I, I can't explain it. It's like drinking water. Mm. I need to do like I can't. Like I don't know. Like I feel like uh, if I don't play the piano, I feel like I'm suffocating.
0: It feels like you have this buildup of something that just needs to be let out. And yeah, like when you like finally channeling...
1: get to do. It...
0: What are you
1: gonna say? Yeah, like, uh, like I'm channeling some like psychedelic psychobabble that's coming from the ether that's using me to like be processed, which I know is crazy. And I, and I know it's not true, but that's, that's what it feels like.
0: Listen, it tot- any, anyone that's an artist that's listening to this or watching this right now is gonna be like, I get it. Because it totally, right? it's exactly how it feels. You know, it's, uh, I personally believe that we are emotional, illogical creatures. That try to be as logical as possible, but we forget the fact that we have these emotions, which are completely illogical. And so yeah. we uh, we try to express ourselves uh, through art by creating our own, you know, rules that have some sort of logic and flow and like reason to them to give some sort of like physical representation to something that shouldn't make sense, but <laughs> totally makes sense.
1: Precisely. Um, but even to say like the what did you say? What what did you? Say? opposite
0: or the what was that you cut out for a second
1: you said something and I wanted to comment on it but it completely slipped <laughs> my mind oh the opposite and here's the thing that's a kind of a pop culture myth the opposite of um oh I lost it again No, and <laughs> no
0: it's over there oh I think wait no it. let
1: me write it down wait hold on and then <laughs> I won't this. forget it Okay, okay, now I can speak. The <laughs> a very okay. There's three very common myths in pop culture. One, that we only use 10% of our brain. That is nonsense. That is a lie. That a quote on Instagram told you if you only use, if we only ever use 10% of our brain, then I don't. No, through evolution, don't you think that the 90% other part of our brain would, I don't know, atrophy
0: mm-hmm. and well, then
1: not be usable? Okay, anyways. I, girls, think, I think they only use that
0: one so they can make the movie limitless.
1: It's dumb. <laughs> the second one, the second one. <laughs> okay. I checked with Darren. He agrees. He's like, yeah, it was, it was good. Hey. Okay. Hey, yo, whoa. Hey, y'all. <laughs> no. um. The second one being, co- there's no such thing, or common sense isn't so common. No, it's not that common sense isn't so common. Common sense doesn't exist at all. It just doesn't exist for anybody. It's relative. It doesn't matter. And the third one that's actually pertaining to this conversation, people in the comments <laughs> are going to be like, "Who does she think she is?" <laughs> 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 <gonna try>. just... <laughs> Anyways. Why is she
0: talking about buses?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Anyways, no, I don't want to be misog- uh, misogynistic. Um, the third one is emotion and logic are not opposites, but rather synonyms mm. and counterparts.
0: Care to go into further detail with that one?
1: mm well, I'm not a doctor. So, like, this is,
0: we'll, we'll say, we'll preface this part of the conversation with this is a philosophical debate.
1: Yeah, it's a very cerebral, heady, philosophical one. Okay, so drop yourself in. All right. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, uh, you know, wouldn't you? Okay, because here we go, here we go. And I could be wrong again. I believe that the premise or the idea behind someone's saying or thinking that the antithesis of emotion is logic comes from a very patriarchal ideology of like way, way of seeing the world because and I'm not saying you think like this or whatever whatever I'm just shooting the shit you know what i mean? But logic is usually considered a masculine trait and emotion is usually considered a feminine trait. And females and males are considered opposites. Considered in the text, you know what I mean? In the textbooks, whatever, opposites. And so it's not, I don't think it's consciously used in that manner with that intention, but I think it derives from that to say that you can either be emotional or you could be logical. I
0: think that's more of a... I think it's more of a Western culture kind of thing because, okay, you know, okay, you, yeah. you do have you uh, do have cultures you know throughout history who have had uh, very strong you know matriarchal societies where like women had had more of a a, a guiding role and weren't just yes. meant to be subservient. But yeah. I I do agree that you know in in Western culture that is that is a big issue. That's why you have a lot of things where like you know like the past like ten years or so you've you had like the whole questioning the whole man up philosophy and saying hey you know of course men men have feelings as well it's not just their fucking stone you know i I think i've actually had a, a similar conversation uh to this with a with a friend of mine and the topic basically was just uh the way men and women approach things is that men tend to be more logical and women tend to be more emotional but i don't think that's necessarily a uh, biological thing I think it's more of like a, a product of how our our society is where like we're taught from the time we like pop out of the womb hey you have to t- you have to be like this and you have to be like this so it's like are we naturally like that or are we like taught to be like that and I think that's that's a really good point that you're you're bringing up is the fact that like you know we're human beings we are both logical and emotional whether we're a male female hermaphrodite, somewhere in between, like said that. It, it's, and I think emotions were, were meant more of just like to be there initially when we didn't really have, you know, higher functioning brains to this way they can yeah. keep us alive. When you were talking about like the amygdala, it's like, hey, we have, you know, basic fear response to be like, I'm not going to get eaten by that giant bear sloth thing because I don't feel like <laughs> but, I want to be eaten.
1: But imagine if we didn't have emotion. Okay, let's say that emotion is the antithesis of logic. Let's just say for conversation's sake, it is All the right. opposite. It doubles as a just, Yeah, let's just say. And we're talking primitive, as you were just saying, bar, primitive times.
0: Okay, then, gotcha.
1: gathering needs. gotcha. Okay, we're on it, we're on the page. Don't you think that if there was just logic, they would not be able to see spirits and ancestors in the fire, in the flames? You think without emotion, they would lack imagination? Do you think the Egyptians would be able to perceive the sun as raw?
0: I I, I emotion, agree with that 100%. I
1: think, that, you know what I mean?
0: I think that logic, this is philosophically speaking because I am in no way a professional. Uh, I think logic <laughs> no, is just a a heightened uh addition to emotions where we started to recognize things where like we could be like oh i am on this is an electronical device that i am on logically speaking it needs electricity in order to run like stuff like that where it's able to like make deductive reasoning where- of course
1: because 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 at the end of the day it does come down to semantics too it's just a good old hearty good english fashion word not english but you know what i mean like language words it's it's words have definitions and definitions of have- things of words for a reason. And so we had to at least put a word to the feeling of what we're having. What is exactly. this opposite of emotion? It must be logic. Whatever and then you have Latin the magical
0: language out. of Yiddish, which has one word that means an entire paragraph worth of emotion.
1: It's amazing, I love
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, my, my dad, my dad, this is a sidetrack. My dad has a saying, if you don't have anything nice to say, say it in Yiddish.
1: Yeah, hey, <laughs> say it in a foreign language, yeah.
0: That's, uh, that's great but, but i i digress back to you
1: <laughs> well no i think what you're saying is wonderful um yeah i just any other questions about borderline uh
0: well how about is there anything that you would like to share with people uh in regards to uh say they have you know they have bpd how do you have any advice for people in what to do moving forward say if they haven't necessarily uh gone out to uh get that professional help just yet like they've they've just they're they're realizing something's not exactly right and they're leaning towards it might be bpd like do you have any advice for people in that situation
1: of course that is a tricky situation to be in because the the common thing with borderline is you really live the same day over and over again you kind of live out the movie groundhog day so Mm -hmm. you could wake up one morning and think to yourself i'm gonna do it it's gonna get done and the next day you think the same thing and you think and it's just not happening um and then further you sink into that it's hard to see the forest through all the trees gotcha so i think if you haven't already gotten help if you're not already seeking dbt therapy if you're not already seeking a therapist if you don't have that support system if you are dealing with it as like a solo adventure, <laughs> the best thing to do is to get over the embarrassment about reading about yourself. Get over finding out all the bad things that you do. You're going to read some shitty stuff and it's going to confirm everything that all your ex-boyfriends and all your friends have said to you. And you're not going to want to believe it, but you need to believe it. <laughs> Shadow work, of course, if you're into spi- spirituality. Shadow work is a great way to integrate group therapy if you're finding it, uh, if you're resisting can, it, or you're finding it hard.
0: Can you uh, can you explain what shadow therapy is?
1: So shadow work is essentially, work. it's like um, a white, not white, sorry, like um, a Western washed way of describing how to integrate. All humans have good in- are the one and you are also around toxic people it no one's perfect you know everyone hears that no one's perfect and in you know whenever you get annoyed by what somebody else is doing you're like i fucking hate when i do that stop chewing like that you know what it, like those little tiny weird things that you have no right getting mad over like, like people that like, slurp when they're when they're eating soup yeah and you're just like who, who raised you wolves and you just and everything is just you know what i mean? that is actually one because of the voices in your past that have degraded you and and taunted you and but also because of what you do to others and what you yourself it's the things that you do that other people are annoyed by you don't realize and you you're it's it's what it's like like people who take one week of psychology like to describe as projecting um where you just go around and you like project your issues on everyone because you really just need a hug kind of thing. So shadow work is knowing that, especially with borderline, that you, as much as you want to be justified in saying, I can call my boyfriend a hundred times at work, you can't. And it's not normal and you shouldn't do it. Like, and it's all the, (laughs) and you know what I mean? And because borderline keeps you trapped in believing that those things, because it's all you know, you have to have compassion for yourself. And the biggest, biggest, biggest thing is being able to forgive yourself. Get rid of the guilt. Get rid of all the awful things, like people calling you crazy, saying you're like all of that. And just forgive yourself for not knowing better at the time. Because especially with Borderline, there's hardly any re- any research. And if you're deep down in the mud, you're not going to be searching for the internet to call you evil. You're not going to be search- seeking that. And so you have to just get over that hump.
0: Well, I think, you know, the positive is that I think people are starting to realize that more like really recently is the fact that like, doesn't matter what you're, you're going through. Like no one's innately evil unless Precisely. you're like, yeah, unless you're Hitler, you know.
1: But that's the <laughs> thing. But, but, and just, and, and I, I have personal experience with being called evil because of someone reacting to me, reacting to my body. Uh, and so what going, do you do going off of
0: that, going off of that, do you have any uh, advice for people that don't have BPD, but might have someone in their lives that does have BPD? How is it, do you feel, uh, what advice you, would you give to them on how to uh, basically react when someone's having uh, like a, a difficult moment, or how do you feel the people who? Uh, how do you feel that they should approach people with BPD?
1: So, if the person with BBT is neutral and you just meet them at a coffee shop, or with BPD is neutral, you meet them at a coffee shop and you can just like hanging out, and you find out that they have it. Treat them like you would anyone else, because they're not going to, like, yell at you all of a sudden. <laughs> just hang out with them. <laughs> They're literally the same. They just, like, are very perceptive and very sensitive. They're exactly the same. Like, just...
0: yo, you want the milk? Want some sugar? You're good.
1: Yeah. It's just, like, instead of getting embarrassed, we get humiliated. Instead mm. of getting happy, we get fucking ecstatic. It's just we're just a little different. But just we're normal. <laughs> but if you're... But also be really understanding that they are going to disassociate, and they're going to get—they're going to probably ask you to stop talking because they can't carry on the conversation. Because they're getting tired or something. It's like—it's it, like having a chronic illness almost. It sounds um, like it's
0: just—it's really emotionally and physically draining.
1: It physically drains you, yeah. And if you for, and if you are in the midst of a BPT episode where someone is in the midst of a rage, like a cycle, like an episode. The worst thing you can do, if you're in public, the worst thing you can do is say, look around, you're embarrassing me, everyone's watching. That because at one, you're gonna make it a lot worse and two, the person knows that and it, they know that and that embarrassment is gonna turn the humiliation into way worse. The second thing, especially if you're a dude, it's very common that if a woman is being hysterical and you're in public, the man isn't want to go to approach because the audience the public is going to think that if the man is doing something so they don't want to get mm-hmm. it that's been my experience so and which i completely understand so if you're in that situation as hard as it is to not help them you can't help them you have to set up a boundary you have to say, I'm here for you, but you can't, because at the end of the day, you don't want anything to happen to yourself. Yeah. Well, it's if also, get...
0: it's also important. I want to point out, you know, you can't force help on anybody. You can make. And your... that's what I was
1: going to get to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you that's a thing too. Yeah, that's the thing too, because even if you're able to get out and out of out away from because especially when you're in public, they're going to be too hysterical and embarrassed, you're not going to be able, it's best to stay away as long as they're not hurting themselves or others. Mm -hmm. But if you can get to a place that's private, and you're able to like, actually like, restrain their arms down in a nice way, just hold them down. Nobody wants to do that. But that's what they need. They need someone to look them in the eyes and say, hey, you're not being yourself right now. I know you're better than this. I know who you really are. They have to feel seen because they don't want to be acting how they're acting right now. Mm. They don't want it either. As much as you don't want to have to deal with it, they don't want to be having it. It's embarrassing. So if you can get- Draining. (laughs) And it's physically draining. um, Yeah, on the body, it takes a toll. So If you're actually- thing to do is to further embarrass them, to look at them like I tried to take you somewhere now you're ruining the I can't that kind of stuff. One shows that you have no empathy <laughs> and you're not good at sounding boundaries. You're just a douche. And two yeah. that like there's a way to set boundaries because at the end of the day, BPD is no excuse to treat people like shit. Yeah. So like if you should never person, treat anybody
0: just... like shit. Period.
1: No. So you also as a partner or a friend or a family member own well BPD need to set your own boundaries in a way that still allow them allows them to feel seen and not judged.
0: Right. Which definitely it makes sense. It sounds like it's it's uh, a lot of it's a bit of a balancing act and a lot of patience and a lot of understanding. But
1: uh... it takes a lot of love. It does. Yeah. You have to actually really respect and know that there's a person on the other side of that, but only if they're willing to do it. Because, you know, I hate... There's the worst thing... It's like, if you can't accept me at my worst and you don't deserve me at my best, it's like, bitch, be better. No <laughs> one should have to accept you at your worst. It's not huh. fair.
0: Well, it, it, any people are going to have their, their best and they're going to have the worst. When you're at your worst, but it's still you- no excuse to be mean or mistreat or be abusive to another human being
1: 100 percent. and if it can it, and the thing is 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 you can get people who are like 37 30 and they're like and, and this is not everyone but i and it, it's just unfortunate to see people not recognize it within themselves it just it just sucks it just yeah. sucks because that's
0: all I, I think that's that's something that is common across most people it's not just people who are just suffering from like a mental illness in general i think it's the fact that people don't want to admit you know if they're having a tough time people don't want to admit you know they might be wrong or something might be you know something might not be right because i think especially again western society and the united states specifically uh, i'm not sure what it's like in you know Canadian land uh, but we're basically taught by our you know our peers our family like our, our culture here in the united states that like we have to like always be doing our best we have to always be working we have to always be striving for something you know like yeah. we if we're if we it's not like flat out said but it's very heavily implied that if we do something wrong you know you know you're you're gonna be fucked you know you're gonna fuck something up and then you're gonna you know be living in a gutter because you know you just you put the wrong pencil in the wrong bin kind of thing
1: yeah yeah you know.
0: So I I think the people, you know, when it comes to something where it comes to like people's mental health, they're even more uh, timid to even approach going to see a therapist or going to talk to like their friends or family going, Hey, you know, something's, something's not, uh, you know, kosher at the moment.
1: That's definitely big in the culture of the United States, 100%, because that's the whole ideology that the country was founded on. It's like, Hmm. fuck socialism. You're an individual, support your family or bust.
0: And also fuck tea for some reason.
1: Yeah. And fuck tea, and fuck Boston and just fuck English. And I don't know. Yeah, I actually, fuck the
0: Red Sox. It's all about the Yankees.
1: I don't know. Oh, I, <laughs> I took in, in, uh, in Canadian land, as you call it, for some reason, I took uh, American history for fun as an elective. All right. So I, I learned quite, quite a bit. I don't remember much of it, but the main takeaway I did learn from, America it was they very big on individualism. take that away. Take yep. away an American's ability to be an individual and fend for themselves and make more than the neighbor. Right. Yeah. I was once told by someone from Michigan that I have Detroit hustle. So I can only imagine.
0: <laughs> Well, I could definitely see you having like a very like entrepreneurial hustle. Like you gotta get stuff done. You're like, you know what, I have an I have a goal. I'm gonna get this done, kind of thing. Like.
1: <laughs> Yeah, and it's good to have with men. Oh, so yeah, with borderline, it doesn't uh, stop you from doing anything. There, you can be anything you want to be. With borderline, you just can't yell at anyone. Yeah, it doesn't stop you from living a very grand life. It only hinders it for your all of your twenties. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad that uh, you you were able to like recognize everything and you know work through it and. It sounds well. It sounds like you're definitely in a in a positive place with you know with yourself, like being aware and finding a way to work through what you know is you know part of you.
1: Oh, and I'll tell it because I wanted to talk about this because like I got kind of like carried away. But the one thing when I turned 25, I was like, I need something to wake up in the morning and be a part of and to have and to claim as my own. And that's why I started Vizio Magazine and that's why I started the Audio Vizio podcast. It Cause it allows me to have so much joy, and it fills up my day, and it lets me actually have stuff to put into my agenda. Because I didn't have any. You can buy. Says you, want. you have to have a life to fill it up with.
0: Mm.
1: So, which is depressing, but true. So, what do you, you have to make your life happen? That's what I did. I it was stagnant, so I moved it.
0: That is a that is a good uh, piece of advice in general. It's just you know, you have to build the life that you want. You know, things don't yeah. just like fall into your lap. No, like no. even if like you know you just happen to be like given something, it's like you have to do something with oh. it. Oh,
1: yeah, no, I no mental illness falls right the fuck in your lap. I know that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's like oh look, you're born, surprise.
1: <laughs> oh, thanks for this little spice of life. But yeah. Oh. So- I hope that's been sufficient. I hope I wasn't too negative.
0: No, not at all. I, I think this, you know, this is very insightful. You know, the fact that, you know, you're you're very open. The fact that you're willing to talk about it. I think it's something that, you know, it, it'll. It, I think this is something that can help a lot of people, especially people who, uh, might be feeling, you know, towards us but not quite understand it. Like hearing your story, hearing what you've gone through, hearing you know, what you've done to get you where you are now. I think that is very, that is very enlightening.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. And it's not too descriptive because again, like everyone with borderline is so different. So there are people who are light years ahead of me and who are younger than me, you
0: mm-hmm. know,
1: but it's all, it's a, it's a personal journey and it's subjective and it's how you, how you live it.
0: I agree with that a hundred percent. So thank you so much for taking the time to share some of your insight.
1: Thank you you for letting me share my insights.
0: (laughs) You're welcome. Borderline personality disorder can be such a a chaotic force at times. And, you know, studies are still trying to understand the full scope of it. So again, I really appreciate the fact that you kind of shared this little slice of like what you have been going through this, you know, at this point in uh, in time.
1: BPD is an unstoppable force, but I am an immovable object. Pretty stubborn. So you You can't let it get you.
0: I like that. It's uh, it's the Italian heritage. It's like, nope, not today.
1: Uh (laughs) (laughs) All right, yes. (laughs) But thanks again, JD. This has been lovely.
0: You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah, so I truly believe that the more that we as a society feel comfortable opening up about our struggles, the more it will help others to realize that they are not alone. Everyone has the inner strength to face whatever life puts along their path. So thank you again for taking the time to chat and thank you to everyone that has been tuning into this episode. If anyone watching finds that they are indeed struggling with their mental health, please don't be afraid to reach out to your friends, to your family, to your your colleagues, or more importantly, a mental health professional. I'll have some links in the description of this video. Uh, that will have some further information and connection to further resources. Until next time, remember that you have the strength to conquer your battlefield.